0: Center ice for all things Islanders, Rangers, and all news across the NHL on WFUV Sports. Welcome back to
1: another episode of Five on Three, the second preseason episode for the 2021-2022 season alongside Tyler Mooney and Mike Messina. I am Chris Hennessy, and today we're going to hit it with the Eastern Conference predictions, talk a lot about the three local teams, what they did over the offseason, and whether they're going to improve or uh, fall down a little bit. Um, boys, it, it's good to see you again. And uh, it's it's good to be talking about how good the Islanders are going to be this year. I'm really excited to, for both of you to tell me that the Islanders are going to be really good.
0: How do we even respond to
1: that,
2: Mike? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean – what they're a good team. I don't know. I don't know what, what more you want from us, Chris. They're, they're, good, yeah, they're a good team. On. Possibly the best team in the Metropolitan vision. So yeah. you know, we'll see what seed they come in, but they, in my opinion, they're obviously making the playoffs. They have a great team, made a lot of moves this off season, re-signings, um, signing Char for one year. They did a lot. And you have a lot of excitement coming up for you, for you this year and, and next year as well. So good on you.
1: Look, I've only had this. This is the only stretch of my entire life. I saw somebody on Twitter say that this is the second greatest stretch in Islander history. Obviously behind 80 to 84, five, you could argue. They win four Cups, 80 to 83. They make it to the Cup in 84. 79, you could include as well. They're really good.
2: It means nothing to us, though, because none of us were around. So, I mean, this is the best time.
1: Of course. And I really thought about it. And I was like, yeah, best five-year stretch. Okay, they're pretty good. Like early 2000s, they made the playoffs in 2002, I think it was. And I was like, no, this is it. Cause I went to the Eastern conference final for the first time since 1993 and they did it back to back years. and They have a chance to win the Eastern conference and the Stanley cup this year in a new building with great ownership and coach of the year. And uh, so it's hard, hard to disagree with that statement. Um, so that's where we'll start. We'll start with the metropolitan division, obviously. Um, I, I have four playoff teams. I have them taking just one of the two spots. Uh, I had the Islanders winning the division followed by Carolina, Pittsburgh, and then Tyler, cover your I have the Philly, Philadelphia Flyers taking that last spot. I know that, uh, that your friends will be all over you if they take that last spot over the Rangers, but I do. I like what Philly did. They really retooled. I didn't love the prices they paid for Ryan Ellis and Rasmus O'Sullivan, but I think that they could get something out of those guys. Um, and a bounce-back season from Carter Hart, they'll be an okay team. That means I have Washington missing the playoffs. Let's start with Washington because I think they're really interesting. Do you guys have Washington making or missing the playoffs? To me, they're too old, too expensive, and and I don't think I trust the goalie anymore.
0: I have Washington missing the playoffs as well, Chris. I actually also have the Penguins missing the playoffs. I think this year as a whole is going to be like kind of a complete changing of the guard year for, you know, this metropolitan division. It could have been the year last year, but obviously the divisions were all wonky last year, so we didn't get the old Metro. But, you know, for the last five or six years, it seemed like, you know, the Penguins and the Capitals have always been, you know, the cream of the crop of this division. And I think for both of those teams, you know, they're both getting older. Like you said it, Chris, the Caps are – it's a pretty expensive team. And I just think a combination of they're getting older, but so many of these young teams, like the Rangers, the Hurricanes, the, the Islanders are going to be there. Some of these teams are coming up that I think – I said it last week. There are going to be a couple of very good teams that are going to miss the playoffs in this division, and I think Washington will be one of them.
2: Yeah, I'm right there with you guys. I don't have Washington ten getting that wild card spot, or, or any or any other spot in the Metropolitan Division. Um, I'm not sure, Chris. Are, are we giving our predictions now, or are we go we, we go yeah, one, two, three? three?
1: Give me whatever the whatever teams from the Met you have making the the playoffs. All
2: right, so I have Islanders winning the division and that might be the same all all around. Then I have Pittsburgh, Carolina, and then, you know, I'm going, I'm going the Rangers, man. I I mean, they're a young team, a smart, gritty, scrappy team on the ice with the acquisition of Ryan Reeves. I mean, re-signing Igor Shosturkin. They're a great team, man, and and they have so much potential, and and, and I think it starts this season. They're a very young team. They have Hedo coming back, obviously the Norris Trophy winner, Adam Fox coming back. I I, I mean, there's so much potential for this Rangers team, and, and I think if there was a year to get it started, it's going to be this year.
0: Yeah, so I have also the Islanders winning the division. I'm glad we all agree on that all the way around. And then I got the Hurricanes coming in second. I got the Rangers getting that final top three spot. And then I have the Flyers in the final wild card spot. I think they'll get a bounce back year from Carter Hart. I think, you know, that Brian Ellis additional help. And I think really for them, just so many things went wrong last year that I don't think as many things can go wrong this year. And I think that they'll be good enough to sneak in, but uh, I, it's going to be, a, it's going to be a crazy battle. I, I I'm hoping, that, you know, the Rangers can maybe try and make that leap into the top three of the division. I know that might be a little bit of a wishful thinking, but you know, it's going to be similar to a lot of these teams. Like we'll talk about with the devil's coming up. It's going to be a lot about how can these young kids take this bounce, especially now that the Rangers traded Buchnevich. It's going to be a lot more weight on the shoulders of players like Taco and Kravstov to kind of pick up, the production that he had, so I'm very excited to see what this season comes with, and uh, I, I think we had some pretty good predictions, guys. I, I like, I like what we got.
2: I was very close to going with going with the Flyers as well, but I'm thinking back to last season. I had the Flyers winning the Stanley <laughs> Cup, and I just got absolutely embarrassed. So I was like, I'm, I'm That's not, doing, not fair. doing that two years in a row. I'm not falling for the Carter Hart thing. I'm not falling for it's gonna be a bounce back year. Because I, I, th- I thought that momentum was going to get kept up last season, and it clearly didn't, and, and I'm not doing that again. <laughs>
1: I, I do remember that, you picking Philadelphia to win the Stanley Cup. Um, I Honestly, Philly and the Rangers was a coin flip to me, and I will be transparent where I wrote down NYR. I th- sat there, thought about it, deleted it, and wrote Philly. So I, I'm really close, and maybe you guys will sway me. But for the Rangers, the issue to me was like, okay, they had this – they had really, really solid young goaltending, and they have that continued. They have a really up-and-coming defensive core and Jacob Truba to lead that charge, who I think is kind of an underrated player on this team, despite his price tag. Um, I think he's underrated in terms of being an anchor on that team. Like, I think without Truba, it's hard for Fox to win the trophy because then he's got to be, like, the absolute number one shutdown guy when Truba can be that. Um, and I thought that the main issue was the secondary scoring more than anything else. Like Panarin didn't have a great season. Mika started to pick it up in the middle of the season. And once they got going, they won a couple of games, but the guys underneath that we're talking about now need to make the step up. The heedles the Kakos, the Lafreniers, obviously he was just a rookie, but um, those kind of guys, they didn't make that step up when Panarin was out with the Russia thing and Zibanejad was clearly still sick with COVID. They did not make that step up. So now, yes, you're going to have a healthy Zibanejad and a fully concentrated Panarin theoretically, but I didn't see enough from those guys last year to put my faith in them this year to put them in the over Philadelphia who made a lot of changes and and is expecting to make the playoffs. I think that there's playoff expectations for Gerard Gallant Tyler, but I don't know how, like what I, I know that in theory cap Kako Tiedel and Lafreniere specifically should be great players, but what, that you've seen has proved to you that they're better than in your case, Pittsburgh, in my case, it would have to be Philadelphia.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm just going off the basis of, I I totally agree with what you said that, that when Panarin was out and when Mika wasn't doing well at the beginning of the year, the, the, the secondary scoring was not there. And that was a large reason why the Rangers got off to such a bad start. But I would say that just, you know, watching them throughout the 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 course of the entire 56 game season those guys all got better from game one to game 56 and I'm just banking on the fact you know okay now it's like you know Lafreniere it is I guess his second year but I mean he looked really good last year especially in the second half but you know for a guy like Kako like okay like this is your third year now rookie year was obviously awful last year he took incredible leaps in his defensive game but the offense you know still it was a little bit better but still really wasn't there but you know this is the third year where you know you drafted this guy second overall I'm not obviously not saying he's like approaching bus territory but like people talked about this kid as a generational talent and you know I think this is the year where you're really going to see these guys take that leap and I'm thinking if they do take the leap yeah they, they could be a top three team in this division the other case if they, if they don't take the leap I could easily see the Rangers finishing in the bottom two of the division bottom three but I'm just you know it, it might be a little wishful thinking, but I'm crossing my fingers and hoping that they can take that step.
2: Yeah, I think they're going to take that step. And I, and I think a big part of that is obviously bringing in Gerard Gallant and, and kind of rebuilding that culture within the Rangers locker room. I, I I mean, I'm not sure how the transition process was from David Quinn into, into Gallant, but from what I'm reading, players are loving it and and he's very active with the players on the ice. I, I saw something I'm not sure how I felt about though. And this is kind of swaying off topic a little bit. But I, but I just wanted to ask, Tyler, I'm not sure if you saw this or Chris um, about how Gallant doesn't really want to get to know the players off the ice that much as, as well as on the ice. I'm not sure if any of you guys saw that, but that's something that kind of made me question how that chemistry is going to be able to build, going to be able to be built only on the ice. I, I mean, I feel like as a new head coach coming to a team, he's going to need to kind of branch out and, and get to know the players off the ice, along with their families and, and, how they represent themselves and stuff like that. So I, so I'm not sure if you guys saw this article, but I'm not sure if that's something that would worry you guys mm-hmm. a, a, as players or fans of a team or, or what's your deal with that? I did not see that. Uh, that's interesting.
1: It, right off like the sticker shock of it is yeah, that's a little bit worrying, but then I think about it a little bit more. Like it's, it's like the scene from miracle where it's like, I'm the coach. I'm not here to be your friend. If you want one of those, talk to coach or, or Doc. Talk to Coach Patrick or Doc. Like, Herb Brooks wasn't there to be – like, he's not there to be their friend. Like, that's not the point. Um, and there isn't, and to my knowledge at least, a quote like that from Barry Trotz, but I wouldn't be surprised if there was. You know, it's not his job to to be, you know, Philip best friend. Like That's not what he's there for. So I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, but it is one of those things where, you know, if if we look back in two years and Galant is on his way out, we'll be, we'll bring up that article. No doubt about it. Um, but I think if in two years he's led them to the playoffs two times and they're starting to improve and Hedl has a 20-goal season, then you're going to be like, yeah, it doesn't really matter. So I think that it's only going to matter in a negative way.
2: Yeah, and, and I think the Gallant's going to be really the main – not going to say focus this season, but but spotlight's going to be on him and see what he can do with this young team, young, talented team, and really where he can bring them. I know there's a lot of pressure, obviously, on all the players and in every New York team, but if the Rangers want to make – to the playoffs this year and the years following I think it really comes down to Galant's coaching and really how he executes and what he does with the guys on the ice and like the culture in that locker room do they like him are they fans of him do they like his coaching style and I think it just really comes down to the coaching techniques and what they're able to do with the team
0: yeah I agree he's been described you know as a player's coach so that's always a good thing I, I I'm with you Chris I did not see that article um, I'm wondering Cause you know, he has been described as a player's coach. I wonder if, you know, this is a new approach that he's taking or if this has been something that he's done, you know, throughout his career, cause he has found success wherever he's gone, but I'm agreeing with what you're saying as well, Mike, just, you know, a lot of it's going to come down to him. I, I'm hoping that we'll see a little bit more consistency from the Rangers that we didn't really see under David Quinn, you know, sometimes not showing up at all in big games as we saw most obviously in that play-in series versus the hurricanes. So I think, The pieces are there, you know, you have the skill players, you obviously have the Norris winner and an MVP candidate, you have the goalie and Shesterkin, and you know, you have now the grit, you have kind of all these pieces, it's just, can Gerard Gallant, you know, mold it to the way that everything is kind of clicking and working the way it should be, and if he can, I think it could be a pretty good year for the Rangers.
2: And add it. Sorry, because adding in Ryan Reeves too, kind of being able to be that guy to have that team's back when when situations go go down like they obviously did with with Tom Wilson and the Capitals. But you have that guy now and that's something they've been looking for for years now. And they finally have that person to to be able to stick up for probably every member on the team, because I I saw a quote, I think it was from laughing year that it's not his job to go out and fight that. That's what Ryan Reeves is there for. And it kind of made me laugh a little bit because, I, I mean, he's right. And now that they have that guy, they can. Go out there and be more physical, maybe give bigger hits because they have someone there sticking up for them and they know they have a better shot of not getting injured now because they don't have to stick up for themselves.
1: One last thing before we move off the Rangers. Mike, you said it, you mentioned that you thought it was Gallant. Who, Tyler, in your mind is has is the spotlight the brightest on this season? It could be Panarin Fox. I think Shesterkin is a kind of a sneaky one. For me, it's Mika because not only did he have a rough start to last year. Uh, He's playing for a contract, and this is a team who didn't trade for Jack Eichel, didn't improve that position when they could have. So I think that Mika has a huge spotlight on him this year with a potential captaincy coming up too. He could be the captain of the Rangers if he signs a contract. I think the spotlight is brightest on Mika this year.
0: I like that. I like that one a lot. I'll go with uh, kind of a similar line there. I'll go with Chris Kreider. Gave him the big contract. He had like a really good month random month last year where he scored like he led the league in goals for a month straight. And then, but before that, and after that, he was really invisible. And, you know, they were especially towards the end of the year when the Rangers were trying to make that playoff push, he really wasn't playing as well. He wasn't producing and there were a lot of people getting on him for that. But at the same time, this was a guy, you just mentioned the captaincy. this is maybe the number one candidate in my book for who should be the captain of the Rangers. So I think on a team with this many new faces and this many young guys, Chris Kreider is the longest tenured Ranger by a mile. So I think it's gonna, a lot's gonna come down to him, even if he's, you know, not, you know, performing at the $7 million level or however much they paid him to, you know, be that leader and to to show up every single night, even if it's not on the score sheet, you know, hit, create plays. I think he needs that there can be no nights where Rangers fans say, Chris Kreider, I didn't really notice him tonight, which that did happen a few times last year.
1: For sure. So we'll move off the Rangers. The boys have them in the playoffs and I don't. I know. Shocking. We all had the Islanders as the number one team in the Metropolitan Division. I think that this team is poised for an absolute unbelievable season. That. I'm not ever confident in this team. I think you guys know that. I, I pick them because I feel like I have to because I don't want to pick against my happiness. But there are days where I am just not confident in this team. The only time that that wasn't true was game six against Boston. I was like, yep, they're 100% winning the game. You guys were like, uh, they won't. But so I'm confident in this team for a couple of reasons. One, I think Matt Barzell is up for a breakout year. That's kind of like my like hot take pick, if you will. I think he's going to have a real breakout season. I think Oliver Wallstrom can perform to a top level scoring the goal scoring goals. I kind of like the addition of Chara, honestly, and another year in the NHL for Sorokin is what excites me the most. I think that I think Sorokin could have an absolute breakout season this year um, and earn that $4 million payday. I have them as a number one team in the division. I could see Carolina kind of challenging for that. I'm high on them as well. Uh, But I do think the Islanders win the division. Um, And I, I, Spoiler alert, I also have Barry Trotz as Jack Adams because I think it's going to be hard to take it away from him. Um, and I think that there's a, a real excitement around this team. I think that's what's going to push them forward is that, okay, we have a, a team that's legitimately competing for the Stanley Cup in a state-of-the-art building. This is all the fans, the players, the owners, everybody has dreamed of since literally the team was founded 50 years ago. So for me, this is, this is the year for the New York Islanders to, to make that statement and get to the Stanley Cup final finally. Um, so that's why I have him at number one. Mike, what, what is your rationale for putting the Islanders at that
2: number one spot? I mean, they're, they're an absolute powerhouse in, in this division, in this league. I, I mean, Chris, I know we talked about it. I, I don't know if it was last last week's episode or the week before, or if there even was a week before episode. No, it was not
1: a week before. This is only an episode number so of- it was
2: obviously <laughs> last week. But the Chara acquisition has, has grown on me a lot. And I, now I think it's a great movie. He's going to be able to help them out. I also have Barry Chalks as um, uh, I'm Jack Adams. yeah, the Jack Adams award winner. My God. Um, but, I mean, look, the Islanders are talented from top to bottom. And I think a huge part of this team is going to be if Anders Lee can stay healthy and come back from that ACL surgery and be the captain that, that obviously every organization wants their captain to be. He's going to have to come out and, and score a lot of goals and really be that playmaker that – I'm not going to say that the Islanders don't have because they do. And I I agree with your take on on Matt Barzal. I think he's going to have a great season, but they need more than than just him. They need more than Kyle Palmieri. I mean, now they have Zach Parise, obviously. There's going to be a lot of guys there to be able to help out. but, But I think it really comes down to, can Anders Lee stay healthy? And is he going to be that player that Islanders organization know he is and know he can be after coming off this surgery?
0: Yeah, I think getting Anders Lee back is huge. I mean, we've talked about it extensively. This is a team that missed. They lost one nothing in Game 7 against the Lightning. How much would a player like Anders Lee have helped in that entire playoff run, but especially in that game? And, uh, you know, I don't want to echo too much because, yeah, I feel like I said similar things last week, but I also love the Chara and Parise signings. You're getting two motivated veterans. They're both great storylines as well. That's a plus. And I do think Sorokin could, could really – jump in and take that number one role he had you know a very good regular season he had a very good playoff run when he did play so I think you know all the pieces are there for the Islanders they they can go as far as you know if they play up to their capabilities that which we know there's the certain level that the Islanders will always be at when you have a guy like Barry Trotz as your coach and I think you know the last two years we've talked about them matching up with the lightning and you know on paper the lightning are obviously they look like the better team but the islanders have played them right to the end both both years so i mean this team it sounds crazy to say but i could absolutely see this team making a very deep run and winning the stanley cup the pieces are absolutely there and if they get you know a few key contributions here and there i think it could absolutely get done
1: my only fear is that they're tired and we're going to get to the Atlantic Division in a minute. I think Tampa's going to be absolutely exhausted. And you mentioned it, Tyler. Tampa's played, what, like 10 more games than the Islanders have in the last two years? Uh, so that's my number one fear is that they're going to be exhausted. But I think that there's going to be an energy around this team uh, that, that will push them over the top. The last local we'll talk about is New Jersey. I have them taking a step up, but not challenging for that playoff spot. The Dougie Hamilton signing will obviously – pay dividends for them tomas tatar is another guy who put the puck in the net is is a great signing i honestly loved it and i i could not believe that he was on the on free agency for as long as he was uh, i think the number one thing you're looking for this year is a breakout season from two guys jack hughes is your number one center mackenzie blackwood is your number one goalie if mackenzie blackwood can't give you that breakout season this year then i think you have to start asking questions about is he your goalie of the future um and for Jack Hughes, kind of similar to Capo Caco. He's had a better two seasons than Caco has, but he's him and Caco are always going to be related. So if he can really push ahead of Caco, put up a 25-goal season, and and power a really nice top line with maybe a Tatar um, on that line, that would be a really, really good thing to see for the Devils. So I think that, that those are the two guys, along with, of course, Dougie Hamilton, but you know what you're going to get from him. Uh, are what's going to power New Jersey to a better season, uh, but certainly not challenging uh, for that playoff spot.
0: Yeah, I got a pretty similar take on them. I actually could see them, you know, playing meaningful games late into the season. I think they had an absolutely outstanding offseason. I think if they weren't, you know, one of the worst teams in the league last year, people would probably be talking about it way more. But you said Dougie Hamilton moved. That's going to be great. That's especially going to help out their power play, which was one of the worst last year. And Dougie Hamilton did wonders for that Carolina power play. They're, you know, the, the Devils, they're they're on the right path. I think they just got to continue the way they're going. Obviously, Hughes and Blackwood, those are your two top guys. But guys, you know, even he's here. He's still really young. We, we, it seems like he's been in the league forever and he's already the captain there. But seeing him continue to progress, guys like Sharon Golvich, they drafted Alex Holtz in the first round this year, I think there's a chance that he might be able to make the team and give an impact. So, you know, while playoffs are, are most likely not going to happen, I think this year, especially is a year that, you know, Devils fans can be a little bit more excited in the last few years where I think they will be competing in pretty much all their games. And who knows, you know, if Jack Hughes, we, we talked about last week, Jack Hughes, maybe being like a fringe Olympic team candidate. If Jack Hughes ends up making the Olympic team that I would say that it means the New Jersey Devils are, at least competing at that point in the season they're not you know out of the playoff race already which we see happens to teams in November sometimes but I think the Devils will have a very competitive season no playoffs but they'll be in it until maybe the last few weeks even
2: yeah I definitely don't don't have um the Devils making the playoffs um I just don't think they have enough obviously enough talent compared to compared to the other teams in the league I mean you guys pretty much touched on it the acquisition of Dougie Hamilton is going to be huge and I, and I do believe they're going to take a massive step up I I mean you saw it last season when when they did have that stretch of games where, where they played significantly better than than everyone expected but Tyler you mentioned it you have to consider to win if you have Jack Hughes kind of playing in the Olympics right because that means he's having that that spe- not uh, maybe spectacular season that that he needs to have because if, if he doesn't play to the potential that he has this devil team is not going to be successful of i i mean dougie hamilton can't do it all himself obviously a a phenomenal defenseman and probably the biggest acquisition one of the biggest offseason acquisitions in the nhl in general but i mean the devil's team is still not that good i mean they have an old pk Subin. yes you mentioned nico nico Heischer, the captain he has a lot of potential too and and we haven't really seen it from him I And mean, we have to get that out of him if the devils want to make the playoffs on the in, in the upcoming years. And I really believe that they do have the structure and the organization to get there. I I mean, a rebuild is long and they clearly been, been in one and they're getting better and they're going to keep getting better. And I think they have so much potential. I'm excited to see how long it takes them to to, I'm not going to say finish the rebuild, but get to the peak of it and make the playoffs, but it's not going to be this year. It's not going to be next year and I'm not even sure if it's going to be the year after. I think they're still at least three or four years away from having that roster that they need in, in order to, to make the playoffs and go further than that.
1: Yeah, for sure. You mentioned, Tyler, when they were playing better at the beginning part of last season. Jack Hughes was leading the league in goals at that point uh, very, very early in, early in the season. I think he got to like 10 or 8 before everybody else did. Um, so that that's what they need, and we've mentioned that. All right, shifting over to the Atlantic. So we both burned a wild card spot in the Metro. So we both have one wild card. All three of us, excuse me, have a one wild card spot to play with in the Atlantic. For me, I have Tampa winning the division followed closely behind followed closely by Florida, Toronto, and then the last wild card spot going to the Bruins, which I just kind of gave them because ah, it's hard for me to not put them in the playoffs with Patrice Bergeron still on the team. Um, Tyler, who are your four uh, Atlantic teams? And then we'll go to Mike and then we'll talk about our differences.
0: Pretty much the same. I also have Tampa Bay in the division. I have Toronto coming in second, Florida in third, and Boston in that wildcard spot for a similar reason. I just don't also, there's not really anyone else in that division that I would have any confidence with. I guess maybe Montreal, but I, I don't really buy Montreal. So yeah, but I got the same top four as you, just a little bit different order.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, got, I also got the same top four. I got the s- same order as Tyler, got got Tampa Bay I, I mean I've said this many episodes I'm not gonna I have no reason to to say they're not gonna win this division obviously two-time back-to-back Stanley Cup winner so I mean I have no reason to to not go against them Chris you mentioned the point of them being tired I do feel like that could be a factor the fatigue the the Stanley Cup final uh, um I, I hangover like the delay the, yeah the, the hangover I, I mean it definitely could be a thing but I, I just think they're too powerful to, to not win this division. Then, obviously, Toronto right behind them. Then I have Florida. Then I'm with you on the Bruins. I feel like there was no one else to give that give that second wild card spot to. And, and, and I mean, they're still the Boston Bruins. They're a threat in the division every single year. So, so I, I mean, I feel like they're definitely going to come out with that with that wild card spot because I, I, it's not going to be Ottawa. Uh, <laughs> it's, maybe like not at but, but – That was a surprise last year, so so who knows? But I think it's going to be Boston getting that last wild card spot.
1: All right, so let's start with Montreal because I think they're the most interesting. Um, This is a team who was in the Stanley Cup final last year, and personally, I'd be more surprised if they miss if they made the playoffs than than missing the playoffs. I really do think they're going to miss it, Um, and partially is because they're out of La La Land of the North Division, and. Part in the other half is because they lost their two top centers in Philip Deneau. Well, they lost their top center in Philip Deneau. I guess Barry Kakaniami was not playing like their number two center. Uh, so I guess they lost their first and third center, their best defenseman, Shay Weber, and Carey Price uh, just is going to hop off the surgeon's table and hop in net in, in two weeks. So I, I'm really concerned about this team because I think that a lot of what got them to the playoffs last year is to the playoffs and through the playoffs last year is gone, and I, I think that they would have been better off, honestly, if Seattle had taken Kerry Price. That's kind of my personal hot take. But we've seen that he isn't consistent in the regular season, and he's injured. So, to me, I don't see Montreal making the playoffs unless Carey Price turns back time to the MVP season, Tyler, and and, and carries them because their offense has gotten significantly worse.
0: Yeah, you name those two injuries right there, but I mean I'm looking at their lineup right now and it it I, there's really no other way to say it. I just think it's a very average team. Like, I mean, they were in the regular season last year a very average team and they obviously caught fire in the playoffs. But I mean, yeah, the offense it takes a hit. The center depth, if Dvorak can't end up being that number two center, then you have probably some serious issues down the middle. And, you know, the defense, Jeff Petrie, he's obviously a very solid defenseman. I I don't think he'll have any trouble, you know, leading it in the absence of Shea Weber. But I just struggle to see Montreal being able to overtake any of those top four teams in the Atlantic. Certainly not the top three. You can make the argument that a lot of things could go wrong for Boston this year. They're getting pretty old. Obviously, we talked about the goaltending last year – or last week, excuse me. But I just – I struggle to see a situation where Montreal gets the goaltending and the goal scoring that they need to make the playoffs. I think at least one of those will probably falter and that'll be their downfall.
2: Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say, Tyler. I mean, they're not going to get a healthy carry price playing at, at his peak ability while also getting goal scored from their top guys whenever they can. I mean, it's just not going to happen. Um, and I feel like kind of kind of the same thing I feel about the Lightning. They're going to have that fatigue from last year. They, I, I like. Yes, they obviously played phenomenal in the in the Stanley Cup playoffs and in the finals. But it was a team who I don't think was necessarily ready to be in that stage yet. I, I mean, obviously, you said it, Tyler. They're a very average team. At best, they're an average team, and they were better last year. Obviously, now Shea Weber being out, it's going to hurt them significantly, but there's no one in that division who they're better than. Uh, I'm not going to say that. No one in the top four who they're better than in order to get a playoff spot because they're definitely better than the Buffalo Sabres. <laughs> the so, But, like, if anything, the Bruins are old. Maybe they can get that last spot against them. But I just don't see that, that resurgence that they had last year coming into play again and doing the exact same thing as back-to-back surprise. I really just don't see it. Yeah, the,
1: the other two additions would be David Savard from Tampa uh, and Mike Hoffman, who's currently day-to-day missing a couple of days of training camp here. Those, those are fine additions. I think that they kind of provide some of what they lost, but not to the level of what they lost. Uh, certainly they don't add Dvorak's a fine player. He's not Phil Deneau and Jesperi and namdi combined. Um, and David Savard's a fine player. He's not Shea Weber. So I think that they, they lost more than they gained and they weren't that good of a team to begin with, um, which is a shame because they were kind of fun, but um I don't know, that's kind of that. Uh, you mentioned the bad teams in this division uh, and in the entire Eastern Conference. The only teams who basically we didn't mention were Buffalo, Detroit, Ottawa, and Columbus. Um, I have nothing to say except Buffalo is going to be historically bad, and it's going to be unbelievable to watch uh, them and Arizona going a full tank off for Shane Wright. Um, does anybody have anything to add about Buffalo, Detroit, Ottawa, or Columbus?
2: No, I'm just enjoying. I'm just enjoying reading all the Jack Eichel rumors and, and everything that's coming out now about the surgeries and all that. I'm just enjoying sitting back and listening to it. Jack Eichel might not, might not play a, a game at all this season. So crazy. Uh, I mean, it's, like, yeah,
0: it's crazy. I mean, I remember, what was it? It was probably three months ago at this point, maybe even a little longer where we were like, Oh my God, we have to, you know, record five on three. Cause Eichel might be traded. He might be traded any second. And now he might not play just, a game. Yeah. It, I mean, that's been a debacle to crown all debacles. But yeah, all four of those teams are not going to be that good. No, I got nothing. They stink. (laughs) (laughs) Really bad. Um, There's an
1: episode back in the regular season of last year that you can go back and find where we talked at length about Eichel because we were so confident he was going to get traded in the next week. It's like probably March or April. And I was like, guys, we got to talk about Jack Eichel. We can't hold this off to the off season. And
0: I remember that exactly. It was like right in the middle of like a, pretty good playoff series too but we were like no like we have to talk about eichel. Like, he's going we have to do this. this
1: he's going to the rangers like tomorrow we have to yeah. do this and here we are he's still on i guess you could say the sabers he was stripped of his captaincy as well is um,
2: he the sabers though i i mean
1: on right <laughs> it's my air quotes um so our final thing and before we <laughs> good god jack eichel before we wrap it up um is who do you have representing the eastern conference for the stanley cup champions championship Stanley Cup finals um i said it before i truly and i'm setting myself up for the biggest heartbreak of my you're picking the islanders chris just get to it i i have to do it i genuinely do think that they are going to i you can look back you can go through all the other episodes i've never picked them to win the eastern conference before i genuinely do think that this is the team this is the year um that they're finally going to do it they're finally going to get to the stanley cup finals um for the first time in a long freaking time um, and I think they'll beat Florida in the Easter Conference Final to do it. Um, so, Tyler, what is your your prediction for that?
2: All right.
0: So I'll be honest. Going into this show, I have in my notes right now. I wrote down Tampa Bay. You both kind of got to me with the uh, with the them getting tired. You know, I don't think we'll see that early in the season. But this is supposed to be a full 82 game season. So I mean, like they played going back to say no January of last year to assuming they make a deep playoff run this year to June of this year. I mean, they're playing like what, 150 games, maybe probably even more. That's a, that's a ton of hockey. That's incredible. So, okay. You know what? I'm still going to go Tampa though. I'm going to go Tampa. And I think that they beat, I think they beat the hurricanes in the Eastern Conference final. Well,
2: Tyler, I'm glad I got to you because I didn't get to myself. I'm also going, going with Tampa. I mean, I have no, I have no reason to just, not to not go with them. I mean, it worked out the last two seasons, so I'm just going to stick with it. Uh, I I mean, they're a fantastic team. Yeah. I think they're going to get tired. 82 games is a lot. And they, and they just came off the season, but I mean, with with the depth they have, I I mean, I feel like it's not going to play that huge of a factor and when they're in in deep games and overtime games and and going 60, 70 games into the season. So I'm going with Tampa Bay to win this division and I'm torn it if I think they're going to be beating the Islanders or the Hurricanes. I, I mean, I, I feel like Islanders is the right move because they're, if anything, I think they're the second most talented team in the Eastern, in the East, but that's just kind of boring to go with the same thing that it was. Um,
0: that's but, why I picked the Hurricanes. Yeah. Yeah. Honest. So the, I, I think
2: with the Islanders, I, I just think they're too good of a team to not be in that in, in the Eastern conference final game, but I just don't think they'll, they'll have what it takes to be able to beat that Tampa team. And, and if they do, I'm happy for you, Chris, because you, you've been preaching it for, for three years now since, I, since I've since i been doing the podcast with you, that, that you haven't had that moment yet. And this could be it for you. And this is, like, the best chance that they've had in a long, long time. For sure. To, to go
1: back to the Tampa exhaustion thing, and then, and then we'll, we'll head out of here. Take the 100 – you said you came up with the number 150 games from January to June. That's 12 to 18 months of – of hockey, it's gonna be 160, 170 games, something ridiculous like that. At the Olympics, think about how many players on this team, specifically Andre Vasilevsky, who whose backup is Brian Elliott, are gonna play in the Olympics and play probably every game. Braden points, Stephen Stamkos, Ryan McDonough. I, I thought about picking Tampa. That was probably the second. I was really torn, honestly. Uh, between picking Tampa and picking Florida to w- come out of that side. And I probably would have picked Tampa to beat the Islanders. I would going
2: going with Florida as well uh, as a close second to Tampa yeah. Bay. I think Florida is going to have, have a, a better postseason this year.
1: For sure. And I, I think – I just – to me, it's the fact that they're going to play 82 games plus most of these guys are going to the Olympics. After these two ridiculous sprint years, I – if they pull off a third straight Stanley Cup, even a third straight Eastern Conference Finals victory – you can put this team in the conversation of unbelievable dynasties in NHL history, because under the circumstances under which they've done them, that when you include the Olympics would be simply unbelievable. All right. So that is, that is our podcast for this week. Um, I am very high on the Islanders. It's shocking. I know. Um, We'll be back next week, Western Conference and Trophies. We'll come back the week after that, which will be the first day of the season. We'll wrap up the preseason um, and all the craziness that's gone on so far. And there will certainly be more to come. Um, So for Tyler Mooney and Mike Messina, I'm Chris Hennessy. We'll talk to you then.